the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, an expert on the calls, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we come to part five on our new teaching regarding the uproar, the lawlessness, violence, division, and spiritual warfare in our country today. Ever since the death of George Floyd by a racist police officer, Satan has taken this one thing and has ignited it, poured gasoline on it, and blown it up in such a way that a war among those in the American cities and the people are looking for answers all over the place, but they're looking for answers in the wrong places. But tonight, Dr. Buckner will give us some solutions by getting to the root so we can definitely bear fruit. But we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction. Uh, we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We know that you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. So we want to encourage uh, everyone to uh, get a pen and paper and get your Bibles because we're going to take you through a tour of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 14 through 17. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. And as Brother Gary has said, this uh, brings us to part five, uh, talking about uh, you got to get to the root in order to bear fruit. And in our world today, with all of the uh, unrest, troubles, problems everywhere you turn, this message from Hebrews chapter 12 addresses all of those issues today and not only addresses them, but gives a solution to the problems that we're facing in the world today. I've had so many people uh, contact me and say this message has been a real blessing to them. And it's given them some insight and some answers to the problems of our world today. And I thank God for using me in that way. Let's say this by way of introduction. And what I mean by the title, Getting to the Root of the Problem, and this teaching tonight from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17, I want to do an exegetical study of these verses, verse by verse, to help you better understand these root problems we have in our lives and in the world today. Remember the context of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, 
the writer mentions this interesting word, root. Notice that. The writer is even mentioning the word root in the Bible. The word root is in the Bible. See that in verse 15. And this root also, according to Hebrews 12 and 15, is rooted in bitterness. This is what the writer says. It's rooted in bitterness. When a person doesn't know the Lord, you know, bitterness, Satan can use bitterness to rise up in our lives so easy. And we see that happening all across the world, uh, in our churches, in our homes, uh, in marriages, in the community. And uh, so I, I want to try to share with you a number of things that I think that will be very helpful to you uh, in um, dealing with this uh, root problem and let's try to better understand it. Uh, number one, all sin goes back to the root of bitterness towards God. Uh, that's my number one point. Uh, all sin goes back to a root of bitterness towards God. And I say that because uh, in uh, heaven, uh, Lucifer wanted to be like God. And he played the same old trick on our four parents to get them to be like God. Because he couldn't be like God, he played the same trick on our four parents. And they bit that satanic sandwich. Lucifer in heaven uh, wanted to be like God. And because God wouldn't allow that to happen, because there's only one true God, he developed bitterness in his heart. And he came to the Garden of Eden and created bitterness in the hearts of uh, Adam, and especially started off with Eve. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, I said last week, I used an interesting word that the Apostle Paul uses, bewitched. Bewitched. The devil uses demonic magic and demonic sleight of the hand. But the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, Bewitch you. Who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? Now, that's the first point. Number two, the root of bitterness, according to the writer of Hebrews 12 and verse 15, causes trouble in this trouble, it causes one to be defiled. So the root of bitterness starts off, and then what it does is gives birth to one being defiled. That's what it says in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. So the number two point, the root of bitterness, according to the writer of Hebrews 12 and verse 15, it causes trouble, and in this trouble, it causes one to be defiled. Look at Hebrews uh, 12 and verse 14. It talks about follow and pursue peace with all men. Oh, how we need that today in our world with all the chaos and all the violence, all the looting, all the killing, and all of the division, all that stuff. The Bible commands us to pursue peace. Now, you say, well, we got these people out there protesting and they're doing it in a peaceful way. Don't you know, my friend? You can't solve the problem with worldly peace. It's only going to be solved with godly peace. That's an important point right there. You know, they're out there protesting to try to bring about some type of worldly peace. It's not going to happen. 
you know, even with the United Nations, not going to happen. Only going to happen in Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I came to get peace within, not as the world gives it, see? The world talks about a different peace that's not going to solve the problems of our world today. It looks like it on the surface, but it's not going to change the wicked hearts of men. Excuse me, Dr. Buckner. Excuse me, Dr. Buckner. Uh, we're picking up that fan, so you, I think you need to turn that thing off. Yes. Okay. So let's look at uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Follow and pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which there is no man shall see the Lord. So they won't see the Lord unless they uh, follow peace. And if we look at Hebrews 12 and verse 15, looking diligently and carefully, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and by many become defiled. See, that's the word defiled. So listen, according to the writer of Hebrews, the root of bitterness causes defilement in one's life as well as in one's home and family and community and nation. And so uh, this defilement can spread like a cancer, and it causes root problems, and the only one that can root it out is uh, Jesus. He's the only one that can do that. Because if you don't, you will become defiled, according to the writer of Hebrews. Now, let me say this as well. What does this word defilement mean? Well, the answer means this. It's to stain or dye, D-Y-E-D, dye, dye, with a different color. That's what it is in the Greek. Bitterness stains, and defilement dyes what is pure and in the midst of the impurity color or impure color. So bitterness dies what is pure with an impure color. Now listen, if bitterness defiles and stains the heart, making it impure, then pursuing peace is a command of Scripture, a requirement of Scripture from God to keeping the heart pure. You remember Jesus said in uh, Matthew 5 and verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So according to the writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14, if we walk in bitterness, if we live in bitterness, he says no one will see the Lord. Now, what does this mean, no one will see the Lord? Is this seeing the Lord, what does that mean? Does this refer to sight with the eye? It can mean that, but it means on a greater level, it means being in the presence of the Lord to see the Lord in his presence. You will teach yourself of being in the presence of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, he says, Without holiness, without pursuing peace, no one will be in the presence of the Lord. They will lack the peace of God, and the lack of holiness is a deadly critical obstacle to having an intimate relationship with God and to make it into the kingdom of God. Number three. The root of bitterness can cause one to fall short of the grace of God. Oh, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. One can fall short of the grace of God. Look at Hebrews 12 and verse 15. 
looking diligently or carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Oh, my friend, you don't want to fall short of the grace of God. We want the grace of God in our lives. We want grace upon grace. The Bible talks about grace upon grace. And uh, this verse of Scripture can mean or be expressed several ways. One is being careful or diligent not to fall short of the grace of God, but also it can also mean be translated failing to keep up with the grace of God. You know, the grace of God wants to work in your life, but it wants to give you favor in your life. And when you are doing the opposite of what the writer of Hebrews is saying, then you cheat yourself of the grace of God. You remember Paul says, must we continue to sin that grace may abound? The idea here is that the grace of God is moving on because of your bitterness and impurity and unholiness. The grace of God is moving on because, like the Apostle Paul says, must we continue to sin that grace may abound. Grace will not be built up and abound in your life if you fail to do the things that the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you allow the root of bitterness to be in your life. So to live a pure and holy life apart from bitterness means uh, to, uh, you know, if you, if you live a life in bitterness, you cheat yourself of the grace of God, and the grace of God will move on, and it will move on to somebody <clears throat> that's serious about God that's dedicated to God, that's faithful to God, who's focused, faithful, and fruitful. But we always fall short of the grace of God, the bitterness in our lives. So we've got to deal with the bitterness in our life going all the way back to childhood. You know, all psychologists and counselors and Bible counselors, number one thing that they do when they do counseling with people they get to the root, they got to get to the root cause of the problem. Uh, and when they do that, they're able to go back to the childhood and teenage years and adulthood uh, that goes into the teenage years and adulthood years, but always starts back in that childhood uh, era where something went wrong, either abuse or, you know, anger, abandonment, rape, incest, we, I don't know what went on in your life, but it goes back to that childhood. you got to deal with that root problem so you won't come up out of that with a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness. See, because bitterness will lead to unforgiveness as well, and that will cheat yourself of the grace of God in your life. The grace of God will move on because when bitterness allow, when a person allows bitterness to control and drive us, then bitterness defiles us, according to the writer of Hebrews. Now, let me say this, and uh, I'm not going to be able to finish this too much, but I'll kind of deal with it next time. And I want to open this up, and then we'll deal with it next time. Number four, the root of bitterness is often the result of someone personally hurting us, abusing us, attacking us, or persecuting us. Let me say that again. The root of bitterness often is the result of someone personally hurting us, abusing us, attacking us, or persecuting us. And because of these factors, many people, even in the church, hold bitterness and unforgiveness with amazing spirit of stubbornness. And a biblical, a classic example of this, and I'm just going to say something on this person 
and then conclude this, and then we'll pick up next time. A classic biblical Old Testament example of this that we'll deal with next time is Esau. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 16 through 17, and notice, you know, I'm doing an exegetical study, verse by verse. This is rich. This is powerful. He uses Esau as an example of someone who had so much bitterness and hate in his life uh, towards Jacob, and he went after him. And we can... We need to look at what he's saying here in this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to develop it anymore, but you, most of you know the story of Esau. And he had hatred in his heart, anger in his heart, bitterness in his heart, and he came after Jacob. And that's what happens with sin in your life, bitterness in your life, makes you come after people in the wrong way. So my challenge to you tonight is that you need to confess your sin, my friend, you need to repent of that bitterness, and you need to let Jesus, who is the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star, that's what the book of Revelation said, let him be the, do an operation in your rudeness and your rudeness, and let him do surgery there and forgive you of your sin and do surgery and take that bitterness and unforgiveness out of your heart so that you can do, be involved with the second B which is get better. You can be involved with the first B, be bitter, or you can get better. So I'm going to ask you right now, before we close on this message, to repeat after me. Dear Lord, forgive me for the bitterness in my heart towards my fellow man and towards God and towards anything God you want me to do. Bring in my heart a cleansing, because you said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that includes bitterness and hate and unforgiveness. And help us to not be like Esau that the writer of Hebrews is developing on. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cult, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We can't thank you enough, those of you who have been praying, contending for the faith, over these many years. We thank you so much for those prayers. Well, we know that uh, God has used those prayers to keep this ministry going and to keep us going. And so we thank you so much. And also we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us financially uh, over the years, and particularly over the last week. So many people have stepped up and There's a couple in particular, we're not naming names, but we just want to say thank you because you stepped up to the plate and hit a home run for the ministry. We are definitely in the black right now, and we have funds going forward to the next week. So it's it's been a real treat and a blessing to see you respond with such generosity and such love for what God is doing through contending for the faith. 
but we need you to be consistent, and uh, it does cost us 400 a week to remain on the air. Uh, there's two ways you can donate. Uh, one is address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. It's that simple. Well, let's get to our phone lines, Dr. Buckner, since they're stacked up here. We need to get going. Yeah, let's do that, Brother Gary. All right. Let's go to CC on line one. How you doing, CC? Hey, how you, how you doing? We are truly blessed and highly favored in the Lord, and uh, uh, how did the message minister to you tonight? It ministered, it ministered in a lot of ways, and um, <clears throat> so many points. There's so many points that you made, but it was something that stuck out. A lot of things that stuck out when you said about um, bitterness, how it defiles and stains, and then how the Lord said to pursue peace with all men. And I was thinking to my man, my mind as you were saying that, if you have bitterness and, and it's defiled you, you're not going to pursue peace. You're actually going to be more. Um, um, hostile toward people and angry, which that's what she was speaking at, and I never saw it that way. Um, and how you brought it out that was, you know, and then all the other points, and it's how you said how it stains, and you mm-hmm. broke it down in the Greek, amen. Well, appreciate that, I appreciate the sharing that. And uh, what's on your heart tonight? What's your, what's your question? I wanted to ask you a question, um, in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, chapter three, verse twenty. I want to ask you a, a question, the particular, particular phraseology in that text that I want to ask you about. What's what? What you like for, uh, to know? Um, I want to ask you about when it talks about times of refreshing. That that little participle there. Uh, what does what does he mean by that? So you're you're in Acts three. Acts three twenty. Yeah. Okay, Acts 3 and 20. Why don't you read Acts 3 and 20? Okay, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus. Okay. I have for a verse, you said Acts 3 and verse 20, right? Yeah. Okay, so in Acts 3 and verse 20, 20, I have, uh, it says, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Mm-hmm. So you sure you're in the, uh, the right chapter? Yeah, it was, it was, the, it was the one that's supposed to say times are refreshing. Where is your verse at? This is uh, verse 20 is saying something different. This is what I have right here before me right here. Maybe something. Because I did mine on a, what you call it, on on the what on a on a off the computer, maybe it's Okay, and you're coming from Acts three and verse twenty, right? Okay, yeah. so you you have a different uh translation. You're coming from the uh New Living Translation, is that what that's what it is, the New Living Translation. Oh. That's what you have. I'm looking at the King James. Then the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord 
and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So uh, I had a, uh, a uh, the old King James, the new King, the King James, and the the uh, old King James. So you got the living, uh, the new living translation. So we're on the right page now. So the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. So what is he's talking about? The times of refreshment. This is the reflecting back on the fact that when the church was refreshed and renewed by the Holy Spirit, every time the Holy Spirit would come upon the church after they repented, it emptied themselves of things that was not of God. The Holy Spirit came upon them like a rushing mighty wind, and uh, it had a way of refreshing them, renewing them, and reconciling them to to God and to uh, the themes of God and what God wanted them to do on a deeper level for him. So and when you look at verse uh 19 of uh, Acts chapter 3, he says, Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing uh, shall come from the presence of the Lord. So when we look at this in the context, the only way refreshing can come and the power of God can come upon their lives, it always has to be a thing of repentance. So you look at that verse before verse 20, and it talks about refreshing. Uh, refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And that refreshing always came when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But he could not come upon them. He was in them, but he could not come upon them and refresh them unless they really dealt with sin and uh, got that right with God. And then they became anointed, appointed, and approved with the power of God, and they needed that refreshing because uh, many times uh, us in our own walk, we need to be refreshed too because many times we can allow the enemy, the flesh, and the world to uh, intrude in us. And uh, when we start to kind of like walk away and not be where God wants us to be, then we need that refreshing. We need to repent and then confess our sins, repent, and then the Holy Spirit can come back upon us, refresh us, renew us, so that we can walk that walk and not just talk it, but we can walk that walk. So hopefully that, that helps out as well. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we, uh, we'll uh, try to make, make sure when you call, just let me know what translation you're using. And uh, I generally most of the time use a... Uh, a King James one, so uh, that's the one I use most of the time. But if you use, if you have another translation, be sure to state it, and then I can look that up uh, in the Greek on it and, and and locate that. Okay, yeah, mostly uh, most of the time I usually just deal with the King James too, so I think I'm going to stick with that one. Yeah, I tell people uh, uh, always, uh, I love the King James, even though I know that that's not the uh, not the best translation. Uh, there's some that's uh, closer to the Greek, but at the same time, I like using it and I like memorizing from it. So uh, that'll be a helpful thing in the future if you call in with that. But if you do use another one, 
uh, be sure to let me know, and then that way we can expedite a lot of time, too. But glad to help you with that refreshing. Hopefully that's uh, giving you some insight. You have a uh, prayer request as well before we go to our next caller? Yeah, if you could pray for my uh, mother, Rose and Linda, and my family, and if you could guys just pray for my health and the health of my rectus and the tra- Traverse Adonimus, and then um, also just pray for the celebrities in general. Okay, very good. Brother Gary, let's look these prayer requests up before the Lord. All right. So, Lord, we just lift up Brother Cece and his family, his mother, Rosalinda. We pray, Lord God, for his health, Lord God, that you would strengthen him and his physical man, that you would be with him, Lord God, and continue to help him to grow in wisdom and knowledge of your word. Continue to bless him, Lord God, and meet every need that's represented in his life, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, whether it's a physical need, whether it's a spiritual need, your word says that you will supply all of his needs. So we stand upon your word and stand upon your promises. And we pray also, Lord God, for uh, these celebrities that we've mentioned over the weeks, Lord God. There's so many of them that uh, have a platform that you've given them. And we pray that, that people would enter into their lives, Lord God, share the truth of God with them but that they could use the platform that you've given them, Lord God, to share your word, to share their testimony, to share uh, the gospel, Lord God. And Lord, we just thank you, praise, and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. Uh, Do we need to go to a commercial break? Uh, Yeah, let's take the break now and then come back. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And once again, we want to just thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and all of you who have partnered with us uh, financially to support the ministry. It's so important that you do both. We need those prayers, and we also need your listening support when it comes to paying for the broadcast. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air, and we are happy to report that right now we're caught up and in the black, and we have funds going forward toward next week. And we know that's as a result of your generosity and your prayers, and so we just thank you so much for both. But we also know that we have to be consistent with both. We have to keep things flowing. And there's two ways you can donate. One, uh, just address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way, so much easier, just get on your computer, your laptop, and Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, we're going to get back to our phone lines, and we have Brother Rick holding on line two. Brother Rick, how are you tonight? I am blessed. I'm uh, going to go on a different subject tonight. I'm going to ask you right, background history. How did the Book of Mormon come into existence? Well, that's a very good question. Very good question. Well, there's a lot of things in relationship to that, uh, the Book of Mormon. And um, 
Let me just kind of go back to uh, Joseph Smith. You know, he was the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses and was, he was a very mixed up young man. You mean the Mormons, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mormons, yeah. So he was a very mixed up uh, young man. Joseph Smith was a Mormon. I'm so much uh, talking about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> but the Mormons. Yeah, so Joseph Smith was a very mixed up man with the Mormons. And uh, he had a lot of issues uh, being mixed up uh, into a lot of different crazy things. Uh, he was involved with the occult. Uh, he was involved with uh, treasure hunting, uh, using divine rods and ritual magic and other occulted practices. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, discrepancies in the first vision account of Joseph Smith with the Mormons, uh, where uh, at least six visions accounts of Joseph Smith that all contradict each other. They all contradict each other. Uh, in Joseph Smith's first vision account, which was in uh, 1832, Joseph Smith claimed only a vision of Christ, uh, Bible reading, uh, stuff like that, and uh, the way to seek God. And Smith already knew all of the churches were wrong. And then in the second vision, uh, in 1838 uh, through 1839, Joseph Smith claimed that the vision of both the Father and the Son, uh, so you see the difference in these vision accounts. And uh, so we got contradiction even in his visions. Uh, he was into plagiarism uh, in, in relationship to uh, the Book of Mormon. Uh, he plagiarized the King James Version, uh, took out whole chapters without uh, giving uh, credit to the Bible. And he primarily did this with the Book of Isaiah. And then uh, he also uh, was into plagiarism when it came to uh, Solomon Spaulding, uh, Solomon Spaulding, in his book, he had a, a book, uh, that a fictional book that uh, he actually uh, wrote. And what uh, Joseph Smith did, he actually took things from that and didn't give credit. Apparently, uh, they had his stuff uh, in a museum, uh, Solomon Spaulding's writings in a museum. And uh, the Mormons broke into that museum, took all the stuff out of that uh, stuff that was re related to Solomon Spaulding, uh, like stories about, in his book, uh, Nephi, Lehi, and these stories had found their way right into the Book of Mormon. Uh, Mormons have uh, made great efforts to discredit all of uh, the things that uh, accusations against them, uh, but uh, this uh, plagiarism uh, is well-known fictional writings uh, in the Book of Mormon, and because Solomon Spaulding's writings were fictional. Uh, and so they found that most of his writings were in the Book of Mormon, uh, and uh, all the archaeological work doesn't have any uh, evidence to it on a historical level uh, when they talk about uh, the scriptures related to uh, Nephi and also the Lamanites nation and all of that. Well, all the archaeologists and all of them 
uh, say there's no evidence for any of that stuff at all. So uh, the Book of Mormon is just uh, satanically inspired. It has no evidence like the Bible. The Bible is full of uh, evidence of places and people. But when it comes to the Book of Mormon, there is no evidence of any of that stuff in there and a lot of plagiarism. So hopefully that uh, helps out, uh, Brother Rick. No, I really appreciate it. And you reminded me of the fact that it was plagiarized using the work of Solomon Spaulding. That I really right. appreciate. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, we don't ever want to forget uh, Solomon Spaulding uh, because uh, all of the archaeological institutions uh, have found no support for the Mormon claims. The National Museum of National History, uh, Smithsonian Institutes of Washington, D.C., don't see any evidence for the Book of Mormon. Uh, it's just a lot of plagiarism taken from Solomon Spaulding. And I would encourage people to uh, look up uh, Solomon Spaulding uh, and, uh, and just do some research on that, and you'll find that the uh, Book of Mormon uh, took everything from his fictional writings. And so that's an important thing to bring out, even with Mormons, as most of them don't know it any, that neither. Most of them don't know that. So thank you, Rick, for your, your question. Very good question. No, I really appreciate it. Yes, you're welcome. And you have any prayer requests before we uh, let you go? Uh, basically, continue, continue to pray for my health, continue to pray for my family's salvation, and I'll keep that as a continuing prayer every time I'm on the air. Okay, we'll have Brother Gary to pray for those uh, prayer requests. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for Brother Rick. We thank you that you have stood with him all these many years, and your word says you'll never leave him nor forsake him, that you're with him always. And, Lord, help him to know that he can cast his cares upon you because you care for him. And, Lord God, we just pray that you continue to bless him, strengthen him, and encourage him, that you give him your healing grace upon his life, Lord God, and help him, Lord God, not to be discouraged and grow weary and well-doing. Lord God, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray for his family's salvation. And we pray, Lord God, that you continue to use him in those areas. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Rick, for your call and a good question there. All righty. All right. We're going to go to our next caller, Sophia, who has been trying to get on the air for a couple of weeks, I understand. So we're glad that she's, she's, she's back and she's in full swing. Sophia, you there? Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much. This time I was quick to the draw because before it was like... There you go. <laughs> so now I've learned. Now I'm going to get the right to make question because maybe someone else... By the way, Dr. Buckner, I prayed so hard for your daughter in the storm, so I hope she was okay, and I prayed that her back surgery gets healed and she can drive and do whatever she has to do. So I hope Well, thank okay. you so much, and your prayers were answered because the hurricane uh, missed them, and they didn't even get a drop of rain, and uh, she still needs prayer around her back, so we appreciate you you're doing that and your thoughtfulness around that. Thank you so much, and it's so good to have you back on. We were concerned about you, and we're glad that you're okay and you're back with us. And what's on your heart tonight? 
Well, I tell you, this I don't have the scriptures like you know um, other callers, Rick, Rick and Cece, but. I was listening, I was doing the dishes, and there was, I have a case facts. I wish that Contending for the Faith, of course, was on 24-7, then I'd be happy, 24 hours a day. But it was some guy, Leo DeCourcy, I think is his name. He seems like a man of God, I don't know. I, I was sort of half listening, because he has a heavy accent. I should talk, I say that kiddingly, but I think he's Irish. So he's saying, Dr. Buckner and Gary, um, if you don't have doubt, I doubt you. Okay, that was the sermon. So I'm starting, my ears perk up, and I'm thinking, and now, of course, right now with all the terrible things going on and the fear and the anger and, and all, the, all the things going on, I think people do have doubt. But, you know, I was listening to you earlier about the root, um, and I was taught of Eve. And now she, she doubted, at least for a minute, she believed the serpent, that, the God, that God was withholding something from her. I don't know if you'd call it doubt, but... You know, and that was a downfall for us because she kind of believed the serpent. Hey, he's he's trying to keep you from this tree. Now, so my question to you is: I'm wondering, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't doubt the Lord. I don't doubt. Even when they took my brother when he was young, I didn't cry out and say, "Oh, I don't believe in you now." But a lot of people now, Doctor Buckner, are. They're saying, "How could you allow COVID? How could you allow?" And I don't have doubt. So does that mean I'm not the a real Christian, because he was saying, if I, if you don't doubt, I doubt you. Well, that just means that uh, it, it, it that doesn't mean that you're not a real Christian. It means that you're a stronger Christian, because when you uh, actually have uh, great faith, a strong faith, uh, mm-hmm. doubt cannot uh, intervene itself into your faith. So uh, that's why when Jesus took the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, he literally said uh, when they doubted, because he did all those miracles, right, uh-huh. all those miracles on land, and um, feeding the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, and then healing the sick, raising the dead, and all of those things. So he said, okay, I'm going to put you on the seat just to test your faith. And then he ended up saying, oh, ye of little faith, because they doubted. And so they doubted, but they went on a journey, and their faith got stronger and stronger when you uh-huh. see in the book of Acts that, you hardly see any doubt at all because their faith is so strong. And then you're talking about Jonah. You know, he doubted God and, and working. And then, you know, I'm going to throw this at you because it's interesting uh, so we give Jermaine enough time, but I want to throw this at you. I did a teaching one time on Genesis 3, mm-hmm. and you may want to write this down. Okay. Uh, the father of doubt uh, is Satan, and it started in the Garden of Eden, and, you know, he really, it started actually in heaven where he doubted uh, trusting God, and he uh, felt that God was withholding something from him, and then he went to the Garden of Eden and got Eve to doubt that God is withholding from her. And then we see in our world today that uh, they feel like social justice is not happening, and Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the world is withholding things. So Satan has so many ways of doing that. But look at, listen to the, all of these uh, four Ds. In the Garden of Eden, he started off with doubt. Mm-hmm. And then what comes behind doubt is deception, mm-hmm. and then denial, and mm-hmm. then death. That's wow. where it always works. Doubt, deception, denial, and death, you know. Uh, I did a tremendous teaching on that. We could do it again sometime, but he said, has God said? See, that was the doubt come in. You know, uh, has God said, withholding from you. Then 
when she gave in, deception came in. And then the, when God questioned uh, Eve and Adam, uh, they both got into denial. She was, she was literally, uh, you know, uh, giving in to the enemy in de- denial and, and uh, Adam too. The woman that thou gave us to be with me, she gave me other fruit. And then Eve, the devil made me do it. So, you know, it's like that, that denial, and then God said, if you eat of this, you will surely die. So do a little study on that from Genesis 3. I wanted to give you those four Ds. It's pretty powerful. Oh, thank you so much. I will study it. I love the four Ds, and thank you so much because that cleared it up, and I was concerned. So good to talk to you both, and let's take the last call of the night. All right. Thank you so much for calling. I'm glad you're okay. Okay. All right. All right, God bless. So we are going to take that last call tonight. Yeah, well, let's Jermaine. Brother Jermaine, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. Oh, good to hear your voice, brother. And uh, we only have about a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and I know we can uh, introduce this more and talk about more. But let's uh, uh, get your question, and I'm curious to find out what's your question, what makes you uh, bring it up. But go ahead and ask the question and then share with us what is making you uh, bring it up. Well, yeah, just, um, yeah, I know we won't be able to fully cover it, but all the issues going on in our world, I find a lot of people, are just, they tend to be distracted, in our country at least, where um, they're angry. And I asked my friends and family, I was like, hey, have you noticed that there's peace treaties being signed? And they're, they're like, no. Um, some of them are on the uh, other side, I guess, politically, uh, more in the middle, and they refuse to even listen to or look at any news involving Trump, even if it's, if it's uh, positive. I said, well, that's that's not intelligent. But I've, I was wondering about the biblical significance of all these treaties, and now I'm starting to put things together. I'm just kind of wondering if this didn't start way back when Israel was was made the uh, uh, capital a couple of years ago and people were in an uproar. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the biblical significance of that. Well, I, I believe that, uh, and I'm going to say this quickly, that I believe that uh, uh, that this, these treaties, these peace agreements and treaties is, uh, is like a biblical prophecy getting ready to be fulfilled because it's getting people's minds conditioned for the Antichrist to come. Not to say that these treaties are not a good thing, but everybody that tried to bring peace at one time was knocked off, right? Uh, Mahatma Gandhi tried to bring peace, Menachem Begin, and then Martin Luther King tried to bring peace. All of them got knocked out. Well, in the seven-year period of the tribulation, the first three and a half years of the Antichrist is going to be a time of peace, and he's going to dupe people within that first uh, three and a half years because he's going to be able to stop a lot of the wars and stuff like that that's going on in the Middle East, and the world is going to look at him and say, he is the man, he is the man. And then the last three and a half years, you're going to dupe them with the number 666. So this has a tremendous biblical significance, uh, these peace treaties. But what we have to keep our eyes on is Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace to the world, but peace unto you. So when the world is talking about peace, we got to be careful about that, uh, even though it's a good thing to see people not warring, but it's all a conditioning. Uh, the devil is setting up his uh, format uh, to uh, deceive the whole world, and we see this in Revelation 13. So we'll talk some more about this. This is a this is a good discussion, man, and 
You always got those good questions. We appreciate you. Oh, yeah, we'll talk some more. And uh, just keep me in prayer because I'm going to speak on our friend's uh, radio show coming up on Thursday. I just want to glorify Christ. So thank you for everything you guys are doing. Amen. Amen. All right, appreciate your call. We're going to turn it over to Brother Gary uh, to knock a home run in the name of Jesus. All right. Well, we've come to the end of another exciting broadcast, and uh, we'd like to thank our engineer, Vince, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Uh, it's so important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so drop us a note. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, and we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buffer with always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.